Hey, it's Geeta here with Daniil and thank you for listening to Conversations in Society with a determination to amplify the voices of the overlooked. Today we are here with Noor Abiwakub from Talk About to discuss the May the 6th elections of Mayor and the Police Crime Commissioner. So, thank you Noor for joining us. How are Hi, you? Hi both of you. Thank you for having me. I'm good, thank you. How are you too? Oh, Very well, good. thank you. It's so good. We're so close to uh, coming out of a little bit more of lockdown, isn't it? What is it, 17th of May? A little bit more freedom, more indoors with all the rain that's going on. So that's good. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. We're, uh, we're just on the brink of opening up again. So, yeah. yeah. So we're talking a little bit about the candidates and we'll be talking a bit about the voting system a little bit later on. So stay tuned for all of that. So, uh, Dee, did you want to dive into the first bit? Yes. Um, let's start off with who are the candidates for mayor? So we have Liam Byrne, and that's for Labour. We've got Steve Cadwell, that's for the Green Party. We've got Andy Street for Conservatives. We've got Pete Durnell for Reform UK. And we have Jenny Wilkinson's for Lib Dem. But before we get into that, how are you finding uh, the local elections in regards to how we're going to vote in a pandemic? Do you, how do you feel about voting in a pandemic? I think that's most people's fear, actually, is that as much as I want to go out and vote and, and make my voice heard, how am I going to do that safely? But thankfully, you know, the government has announced that they're spending £92 million to make polling stations safer with, you know, measures such as regular cleaning and hand sanitizers and barriers to keep people apart. So at least we know that from that side of things, we're, we're secure and safety and health and safety. There's also, you know, as voters to make sure that you're going there with your own pen and pencil and wearing your mask um, when entering the polling station. And if you feel like you need to self-isolate and you can't you can't turn up to the polls, you can do a vote by proxy at short notice. So um, so I feel like, you know, it's normal in the most normal it can be in such a normal circumstances. Yeah, and just to let people know as well that the emergency proxy vote is by 5pm on the date of voting. But before, I mean, we all live in the West Midlands, um, kind of, kind of, kind of, <laughs> yeah. But um, how do you feel about the West Midlands in terms of our current state? So let's talk about pre-pandemic. How did you feel about the West Midlands in terms of the economy? Did you feel like it was booming? Did you think that, you know, housing was great? Um that we're doing good with um, social issues and managing them. How did you feel about the West Midlands before? I think that really depends on um, your own awareness of your city. So I I turned 21 this year. So before, say, 18, the only thing you're thinking of is your A-levels or your GCSEs or whatever else it is you're trying to get through and survive. Um, so you're not really thinking about the conditions around you. And I think it was only when I went off to university that I started seeing differences or because you're so far away and you go back home, you're starting to see, oh God, what's going on? Like um, for me personally, I was uh, in Solihull. So there was a, diff- a very stark difference in crime rates. You saw it happen to your neighbours. You saw it happen to friends and family around you and it could be just as petty as your car being stolen 
but it was significant in that at some point you never heard of it or you heard of it rarely and then coming to almost weekly there's something new coming up so it's definitely been significant in that and you know I see and I read all about the employment rates that's pretty significant for Birmingham as well um, seeing as I'm from there so it's noticeable it has been noticeable um, but for me only in the past three years I couldn't compare it to before then because my awareness was very yeah I think it's interesting you say that because I think myself and Daniil have had these similar experiences of like seeing things like we grew up in like five minutes away from each other and um like I saw youth services being cut as I grew up like um and I'm like that was like 10 years ago um and so I, I think it's like I didn't know where all this money comes from. I didn't know why it was cut. I had no idea at that time. I had no insight in po- political knowledge. Um, so similar to yourself, I'd see things happen, but I wouldn't know how how the, the bigger picture and how it's all joined up. Yeah. Yeah, I find, I mean, I've been noticing a little bit more, kind of like both of you, my political awareness in regards to how that affects the West Midlands has peaked maybe because of the news and the fact that they consistently remind us that something's going on and all the stats so but i have to say same thing with gita goodness youth clubs i used to go to them i don't see them around anymore um i've definitely noticed a crime is just massive i don't even have to listen to the news i ride the bus back in the day when i was going to college and you would see the police vans just cornering off here there and wherever so yeah um <clears throat> so that wasn't that long ago for me so i would say that wasn't the last span of uh, four years that i've noticed all of that but now that we've had a pandemic um and it has been said that almost double almost double um the the figures uh, of unemployment in Birmingham alone. Yeah, we've got a whole nother uh, kettle on our our hands. So I guess I want to talk about what can the mayor do about it? What is the mayor's role? Right. Well, so the mayor's role, I mean, West Midlands specifically, it's a a big one just because of the fact that it it kind of acts like a super council because of the amount of... um, constituencies under it so you have um, Birmingham, Coventry, Dudley, Sandwell, Solihull, Walsall and Wolverhampton and you've got this one mayor for all these seven districts of the West Midlands Met County and the mayor basically um, if we speak about the West Midlands this was very it's a very recent inception so it's created with the West Midlands Combined Authority Um, but as a mayor their role consists of creating policy for your area which could affect the services there so you're if we're speaking about West Midlands this is three million people across seven boroughs where you have to make decisions to attract investment promote the area and training and apprenticeships and housing developments and also come up with transport budgets that not are not only accessible but affordable given the current conditions of the of the county so that is what a mayor does um and what we want to see from those mayoral candidates is how they're going to tackle things especially given with covid19 how they're going to tackle some of the issues that have arisen due to it and before it and currently what's going on with it 100 percent. i just wanted to add as well when we did some research 
The mayor can also look into homelessness, rough sleeping, of course youth unemployment and community cohesion and air quality is also things that they can tap into, make policies and influence. So yeah, how often are they elected? So it's a little bit different this year because we were supposed to have the elections last year, if I'm correct, 2020. But with Corona and everything, we're having them now. But it is every four years. And with the West Midlands, um, with the West Midlands mayoral elections specifically, it's a must-win territory for both parties, but especially, especially Labour, because it is a traditionally Labour uh, Labour controlled area. But since the 2019 election and since the original 2017 election um, for the mayoral uh, candidate, for the West Midlands mayoral candidate, it has become slowly blue. So the red wall, as they call it, is slowly starting to break down and we're seeing that it's not as, as Labour as it used to be. It's interesting you say that because I saw some news about that as well. I was watching um, Sophie Ridges, I believe her name is, and she was interviewing the current mayor and the candidate for Labour. And the candidate for Labour was very confident that they'd win it because they said that previously the reason why um, Labour won so many seats in the last general election, sorry, Conservative won so many seats in the last general election was because many people had said that it was to do with Brexit or because of the leadership of Jeremy Corbyn. And so he said, well, those kind of issues are out, out, out now. So we should basically easily win this. Whereas the current um, Mary saying, well, actually, I think this is going to be just as contested as the last election, um, which I think is really interesting because to me, I see these elections as easier access for other parties to win because it's a more representational, whereas previously many people might have said, well, I'm just going to vote for Conservative or just for Labour because it's if you don't vote for either in the general election, you're much less likely to get your candidate as prime minister. Whereas this one, you can choose, for example, um, UKIP if they were running and then second place Conservative, because even if UKIP don't win, you've still got the second place of Conservative, for example. Um, So yeah, I think it's really interesting that people still talking about the Red Wall because people still view these elections in the same way that they do general elections. As the polls are hinting at the minute, it seems like it's a Conservative win. But more so than that, just because Brexit is out of the window, I mean, this is an indicator of the successful performance in relation to COVID-19. If you think the Conservatives did a good job, that's going to reflect. But at the same time, I think Labour's forgetting that the Jeremy Corbyn and the anti-Semitism issues are still pretty fresh in a lot of people's minds. And that is going to affect anything to do with a Labour win. It serves as the as an indicator to the popularity of the party if it's still present. So I think it is bold to say that um, it's a straight win or if it, it's a it's a it's secured, but. Um, We'll see. I mean, as the polls suggest at the minute, it looks like it's a street win, but who knows? Who knows? And, and Andy Street is a Conservative um, yeah. candidate, so that's why I'm referring to yeah. Street. Okay, so why not? Let's just get straight into it. Let's have a little bit of a dive into the uh, candidates. So, 
I have in front of me just a few of the principles slash pledges slash manifesto because not everyone did the same way of showing what they intend for the region. Um, so I did the smallest, briefest um, summary. So let's go through it. Let's start off with uh, Jenny Wilkinson. So just to remind everyone listening, Jenny Wilkinson is for Live Down. And her pledge or principles are to empower people and communities to address issues that affect our lives, right? She wants to tackle poverty and inequality. So that includes poorer households, people of color, families and the disabled, which she has noticed, uh, well noted that they're the hardest hit. So we're the hardest hit uh, communities. And she wants to start a universal basic income trial in the region. Does anyone know what a universal basic income trial looks like? I haven't heard of one of those, but I'm assuming she's just going to pick a pocket of people and decide we're going to try that. Think, is it like, is it similar to the system in America where um, during COVID, um, Joe Biden sent out like um, a certain amount? That was my understanding. It was like, he's yeah, to people who've got low income, he just sent out certain amounts of money um, just to support them. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I mean, if it's if it's anything as the as the name suggests, then it must be a big pocket that she's picking to be able to do that because <laughs> we're three million of us. So yeah, well, we need significant trials to know if it works or I not. Mean, so I'm we'll I mean, whatever that is. I'm signing myself up. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a bad idea. That's for sure. <laughs> um, right. So also, she wants to implement real living wage. And um, she wants um, urgent house building uh, program with a focus on building homes for social rent. And then, of course, a green revolution that includes the manufacturing, transport networks, sustainable housing and green spaces. So that's um, Jenny Wilkinson's uh, pledges or principles, what she's hoping to become the male candidate on the basis of. So... What do you guys think about, you know, going green in manufacturing? Because we know that manufacturing is big in our region. Is this the move forward? Um, we've got the world moving green, actually, or speaking about moving green. Yeah, I think that it's a very interesting point that we'll find in a lot of the manifestos is the going green and it's the green industrial revolution, which from a county that was never that usually you know that bought itself up on not so green manufacturing and trade it's very interesting to see how that's going to come about i think the one of the biggest things that they're looking to push that with is the is coventry's gigafactory i'm not sure if you guys have heard of um of their plans surrounding that so it basically this this huge huge gigafactory i think it's they're basically transforming an airport in Coventry into this huge factory, which basically is making batteries for electric cars. So this this project, I guess, you know, most of their green um, green manifestos is to do with the creation of jobs, and with that creation of jobs, training young people in greener uh, industries and making sure their skills are more green in in 
in how and where they enter and what industries they enter and how their skills can be better shaped so that they reflect the world we want to live in now. Um, so they have said, you know, this project is going to create around 4,000 jobs just in this factory by 2025. Where that's at now and how that can progress, I'm not sure, but it is, you know, it is, it's been very distinct to see that in a lot of the pledges and manifestos, it's mainly green focus. 100%, yeah. I think one of the things I found interesting is that both Jenny Wilkinson from Lib Dem and Steve Corwell from Green have both spoken about um, West Midlands being the heart of the Green Hub. So yeah. she mentioned it being, what did she say? She said, building a green heart of England. And he said to a green industrial revolution powerhouse. So they're both like, we want Birmingham, yeah. West Midlands to be that. Yeah, well, I mean, don't forget, I mean, Birmingham, Manchester's overtaken Birmingham with regards to who's the second city in yeah. the UK. So it's London and then who's it next? It was Birmingham. It was agreed, you know, that it is Birmingham. But Manchester's really coming out on top with that. And I think this green industrial revolution push is kind of a hint to say, well, London and Manchester's doing their thing, but maybe not sustainably as they would like. So we will be the leaders in that. So it has been interesting to see for sure. 100%. It's about having a strong identity, isn't it? And I think Manchester's definitely embarked itself to have a strong identity. When you think Manchester, you do have an idea of what that is. Just like when you say London, you have an idea. So yeah, definitely. Well, on, on a particular note on Jenny's um, manifesto as well, she mentioned the building of homes, was it? Yes, building of sustainable homes, social homes. Well, I mean, that was interesting to me when I read it as well, because... I mean, we have around 22,000 long-term empty homes in the West Midlands alone. So it would be interesting to see how they could be transformed to be sustainable, but also house a lot of communities that don't have access to adequate housing at the minute with all those empty homes just not being used. So it's interesting you say that because Steve Cordwell has also um, spoke about the initiative of housing and Pete Dernhill from Reform UK, which was formerly Brexit Party and he himself was formerly UKIP, it's a whole mouthful, um, <laughs> has mentioned about stopping building new houses on green space. So I thought those were interesting as well. So there's all housing in there as well. Right, so let's go on to another person. Not a manifesto. I think it's more principles. I think that's how they also said it is. And this is Pete Dernal. I thought, let's just go straight to him. <laughs> um, so Pete Dernal from Reform UK. He started out his principles were outlining what he will be against, <laughs> which I found quite interesting. So he said he is against the vaccine passports. And the quote is, I will fight it every day until my very last breath. So I think that shows us exactly where he stands on vaccine passports. Did mention lockdowns and said that, you know, it causes damage um, and it withholds our personal freedoms. Not too fond of the HS2, as it is not the best way to spend 100 billion pounds. And that's his quote again. Yeah, so Pete Dunnell has set out the things in which, you know, the principles in which he believes that if he was supposed to be the mayor, that he stands firmly on. Yeah, um, and just to highlight as well, the vaccine passports, he was specifically talking about like entering places in the UK, so like pubs and stuff like that. 
Um, that doesn't mean that we won't have them at the borders under his leadership. So it was specifically in certain areas. In regards to the region. I think his approach with it has been more like, why have a plan for 2021? If we had a plan for 2020, that didn't work out so much. And going into 2021, it's not really been ideal. So let's just not have a plan overall. That's it. Which surface level makes sense. But um, when you look at the West Midlands as, as this super council with so many towns within it, there's a lot of things you should probably plan for just out of this, just for the sake of, for example, having giving the constituents peace of mind that, okay, I know what could happen. I'm, I'm looking forward to that or I'm not looking forward to this. But not having a plan is, seems a bit... <laughs> but I also thought that some of the stuff that he's put is very like, this is what I stand by and, and fair to you. If you're going to say something, say it with your chest. So he definitely did that. Uh, one of the things he said as well, he didn't outright say it, but the underlining tone was that he wanted to stop lockdowns um, because he mentioned about how lockdown should only be basically done when necessary and how certain um, scientific uh, bodies, I can't remember the specific one he, he highlighted, about how they said that they should only be done when necessary and that we should combat it with the vaccine and stuff. So I, I think I got the impression he wasn't very fond of the current lockdown restrictions considering we were currently taking vaccines. Um, so I thought that was quite a controversial thing to put in a manifesto with a population that might not always agree with that. So yep, that was... Uh Pete Journal from Reform UK. Of course, you can have a look at this information if you just go onto their their personal websites and, and read a little bit more. Then we also had the manifesto pledge. This one is pledges, okay. For Liam, uh, Liam Byrne, and Liam Byrne is for Labour. He has seven pledges and they are get our share. So get our share, it's more about, you know, getting the fair share for the West Midlands. The way that they say it in the pledge is to stand up to the government and guarantee that we get every penny that we deserve, right? Back on the green, so lead green Britain, want to become the UK's first net zero carbon region and, and to secure over 200,000 skilled green trade and manufacturing jobs. So get back on the green manufacturing. Bring back industry. So become the world capital of green manufacturing and doubling the apprentice numbers uh, with free retraining for workers who have lost their jobs want to build more homes so yeah back on building homes and then supporting our youth is another thing it says to help our children our grandchildren succeed and keep them safe from knife crime um, and start with youth workers back in every neighborhood so, so far this is the first i've heard of the youth workers being mentioned from us going through the candidates um, and then protect our safety to have 450 community police officers uh, to boost police numbers in every neighborhood to fight crime and make our streets safer. And then lastly, but not least, champion community spirit. So this is about a decade of investment into the soul of community life. So that's grassroots, sports, arts, parks, green spaces, high streets, markets and festivals. So that's the seven pledges and that's for all seven boroughs. If uh, Liam Byrne was to secure your vote 
for the mayor of West Midlands. So what's your thoughts on that? We're, we're really going hard for the green manufacturing, but now we've also seen 450 community police. So we just talked a little bit about crime in our region from our personal experiences as well. We're seeing in it in our individual areas. How do you feel about 450 uh, community police? Would this help us moving forward? It sounds like on the surface, it's a proactive approach to take. But I think we're speaking this just as a, as a pledge. So there's more in the manifesto and I would really advise everyone to go and read it fully to understand. Um, but when you're looking at the pledges just as they are, to have that many um, and not focus on the roots of why you need so many, you're just going to keep um, pledging to add more and more and not really solve a problem that at its root is is concerned with, for example, unemployment or um, lack of youth opportunities or training. Even schools aren't supported enough. I mean, we've seen more exclusion, exclusions than ever, I mean, generally. But as schools keep excluding rather than focusing on root of problems, we have more youth coming out and not knowing what they want to do and easily influenced by crime. So I think, yeah, it sounds like a great idea, but what's a great idea if it doesn't, if it doesn't cut something at the root and make sure the original problem is solved? Instead of a prevention tactic, a lot of the time it's about like people in place for when things happen, which isn't always the best route. You need to do things to prevent it in the first place. It's going to cost less long run. Even if it costs more just to raise it off the ground, sure, but in the long term, it'll it'll cost you less. And, and it, even costs aside, I, I think any mayor would be happy to see youth flourishing, crimes going down, not needing as many as many police. We speak about costs so much, but there's also a human cost where you've got kids coming out not happy with their futures. Um, you've got parents coming out not happy with the futures they can secure for their children. Absolutely. I, I think people, when they're elected in these positions, often forget about the human cost because you're always thinking about the re-election and how, what I'm going to do to make sure I'm re-elected. And, yeah. and youth, generally speaking, they tend to vote less, be less likely to vote. So why am I going to exactly. do something for them? And so it's about like also the parents of youth looking mm -hmm. at what are they doing for youth, right? Liam Byrne, out of all of them, has actually, his, his manifesto is beefy, it has a lot in it, it has perspectives from the community in it, but at the same time, even looking at his own constituency, because he's an MP, statistics and the numbers for his own constituency aren't even that great, especially when it comes to employment. So in hindsight, is it really going to reflect when you're mayor and not just an MP for one constituency, but actually you're a mayor for seven different boroughs. So then on to Steve Cardwell and for Green. The pledges here are things such as lobbying the central government to allow the West Midlands Combined Authority, which I think we should talk on in a minute, to have a directly elected assembly. He's pledging to campaign for the scrutiny committee to be given additional resources to expand its membership. So this is to include representatives of the voluntary uh, organisations, community groups, unions and SMEs, along with underrepresented and vulnerable groups. Um, and there's a lot more around that point. Um, some more points are, you know, a citizens' assembly 
to ensure that direct participation of members of the public. Something I think that we can, in society, we really like the sound of, as we're all for people participating in democracy. We're non-partisan, so we support no political party, but we're definitely in support of people participating in democracy. So right, yes, lobbying for more diverse and representation with the West Midlands Combined Authority Board. So here we are, we've got, a, we've got someone mentioning about diversity and representation at a leadership and, you know, decision-making uh, position, the West Midlands Combined Authority. Then we had some things here that actually I didn't even know about, and that was to refuse all gifts and hospitality and to encourage the West Midlands Combined Authority board member to do the same. So that's a normal thing. Just a side note for those who don't know, West Midlands Combined Authority, as mayor, you become the chair of that, I believe. Is that correct? You yeah, you become the chair of that. So that's why it's really important. That's not usually mentioned. And then there's other things such as I will publish my expenses online and I think it's more about what he would do personally within the role. Also talked about the code of practice of statistics and pushing the West Midlands Combined Authority to webcast their meetings. So it's more about accountability. It seems that he also made pledges in regards to communication strategy for the West Midlands Combined Authority offices. And then the last two really are about the case to increase the central government funding and um, lobbying the central government in regards to the taxation policies. Um, and lastly, to work to forge coalition between regions. So that was a lot, but it was very wide in terms of the things that Steve pledges to do. So what are your thoughts about, let's pick one, the code of practice of statistics and webcasting your meetings and communication strategy. This is all about accountability. Is this something we need in the West Midlands? I was particularly, I'm not gonna lie, I was very confused about um, Steve's um, pledges mainly because of as you said how broad they are but also because i couldn't quite wrap my head around as to how they would be accomplished and i'm not sure if that was just me <laughs> finding difficulty or if there wasn't enough substance to support his pledges i mean accountability wise who who wouldn't want enough accountability but what is the accountability for that's what i didn't quite understand is it the police? Is it services? Is it councils? Who's the accountability for? Yeah, I think it's really interesting you say that because I read it as a direct kind of tack on the current government is the way I saw it because we look at the recent news and all of this other stuff. So I think for me, when I read it at right now, um, and I don't know when he read when he wrote the manifesto, so it might have been prior to any of that. But even then, there were loads of scandals. There's always been scandals in any government, and so for me, I think it's just a direct attack, basically, at at the currently conservative government. It didn't feel like it was talking about the mayor role, and I completely am with you. I think, um, but I also thought it was interesting because Green Party people always see it as like it's sustainability and nothing else. And so when I watched their video. I saw that they spoke about everything about but sustainability and then the middle section was sustainability because they wanted to make sure that you understood there was a lot more about that party than just sustainability because sustainability is a really important topic but not enough people find it accessible as a topic in itself. I think you, you raise a really important point because 
your role as mayor as well is to be accountable to the public in what you do. So if he's on about accountability in his role, makes sense, perfect. Because as as someone who's electing you, I want to know I can hold you accountable for the things you're doing. If it's accountability in the way that um, I'm going to make sure everything around me works and everyone around me is accountable to me and also let you know how I'm making sure they're accountable, then it's a bit of an iffy ground where how different are you to what the government is currently doing because accountability alone is perfect but when someone who is in control of that accountability tells you i'm going to make sure that is is transparent to everyone you get into a bit iffy grounds like if you have control over that then how am i really learning enough or to the degree that I need to about that accountability. I've said the word accountability so many times, but <laughs> I think I think I've got the point. <laughs> okay, and then the last uh, candidate, I believe we've gone through Steve Cadwell for um, Green. We've gone through Pete Dernal for Reform UK, Jenny Wilkinson uh, for Lib Dem, Liam Byrne for Labour, and now we have the current um, West Midlands Mayor, and this is Andy Street for Conservative, who is running again. And um, also with a roughly about 19-page document outlining, just giving us a bit of insight into also what he has done in the role so far, and therefore also what he plans to do in this role if he's elected again moving forward. So some of the top line things are just to create um, 100,000 new quality local jobs and training opportunities for local people so a focus on jobs, um, making progress on long-term transport. Um, the, there's plans to build thousands of new homes um, and then to improve our environment and tackle climate change. So back on the sustainability initiatives, um, back on the high street towns and city centres, so getting back the, the high streets, um, making sure that communities benefit from the region's success. So this is looking at um, the city of culture for uh, Coventry in 2021, the Commonwealth Games upcoming in 2022. The HS2, which is the high, high speed two, that's the train that's currently being built um, or the train line that's currently being built. Um, and to make a credible delivery plan to make it all happen. So those are some of the top line things that Andy Street has outlined moving forward. And I believe the HS2 um, was initiated in his care, wasn't it? So this is something he started off with, isn't it? So, yeah, he wants to see that to come through. But there's been some scrutiny around that. Have you guys heard anything about kind of, well, we heard it from one of the candidates, actually, who referred to the amount of money spent to, to do that while we're in a pandemic. I think we should refocus the money. Yeah, they said they're going to redistribute it. Yep. So how do you feel being in this region and having the HS2 being built? Do you think it's going to bring some maybe inward investment opportunity put us on the map um what do you think the hs2 can bring for the region i mean i have sometimes just sometimes you just look at the hs2 still being built and you're like what's the point like this is taking so long and it's just such a nightmare so i get where the criticism comes from but i think overall as a force for good 
it's going to create a domino effect for our transport systems. So it's going to it's going to you know have environmental benefits. It's going to take a lot of lorries off the road. It's going to make more space for local commuter services. So it's not it's not a bad idea. I think people are just frustrated of 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 the amount of time it's taking. But more so than that, actually, I mean, it has it has been criticised for a very important point, which is that it'll affect people's homes. You know, in some areas, houses are going to have to be demolished to make way for the line. So some people who don't want to leave are obviously not happy about that. Um, and the government, you know, is, is obviously have been buying properties from people in areas that are affected to kind of soften the blow. Um but I mean, a house is a, ha- a home is a home and you can't just see money as, as something that can, that can, you know, soften that blow and make it yeah. seem more tolerable. And take away um, that value after you put time and, take and effort a- into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Families, generations within it. I mean, obviously yes. they're angry. Memories, exactly. You know, it's it's fair enough to say it's going to have a great impact on the country's green spaces and the countryside. Uh, sorry, that's an argument against it, that it's going to impact those um, green spaces and countrysides, which is funny because it's going to have an environmental benefit as a HS2. But yeah. what is the cost of that? when to build it you have to make way for taking out houses and taking out green spaces and countrysides and building and the noise pollution and all of that yeah so the 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 against are very focused on the cost and the time but also the countryside and the homes and then the the pros are focused on the new jobs and the environmental impact and the better transport links and the shorter journeys it's a give or take isn't it it is it's subjective isn't it it's interesting you say this because this is the first time i've heard the argument for it that's a positive kind of argument and i think for me i've heard a lot about um so yeah you've got the noise pollution that would be a massive concern for me because i don't know about you but i've had some renovations being done next door and it's driving me crazy and these heard the renovation in the midst of meetings meetings. so i know yeah (laughs) i know that just the noise pollution was something that i would be concerned about but then the other bit was about who can really afford to be on this train though Who's this going to benefit? Are people the working class person? Is are they going to be able to buy a ticket? Because it's saying like, what is it, forty five minutes to London? There was that, and then the other point for me that was a bit concerning was because the train's much faster. Does it therefore use a lot more? I don't know what trains are run by. Is it petrol? <laughs> Whatever the thing is that they're run by, are they going to use more of that? Because I assume it's a it's something that's bad for the environment. It's it's a very wait until you try it kind of thing. But I think um, it's more of what it will make tickets for like other journeys cost rather than what it itself will cost. Yeah. So already, I mean, the ticket prices to for me, for example, from going to Nottingham to London, is it like 60 quid if I'm not early in getting it? And that's one way. Or it's 60 quid anytime both ways. But the way that's going to push that, for example, if you're going from London to Manchester, that they're already expensive. So imagine the prices when this HS2 comes along and raises the raises the competition. 
but I don't actually think I've heard much as to how much it actually how much a ticket cost will be um, I don't know if you guys have no I haven't heard much yet I've, I've heard they're going to be quite expensive is, is what I heard I can't remember who mentioned it but I think there was like a, a comment about the tickets being more expensive so it was just about well because it because if you look at now if you go for a fast track if I was to get on a fast track train from Stoke to, to London for example it would be expensive um, but the normal like you know the the ones with 10 different stops on the way the long journeys much cheaper i know you can get a, i can get a train i think it's from wolverhampton for 17 pound or something i uh, could about two years ago um so they are relatively cheap not anymore <laughs> it might have been five years ago <laughs> from wolverhampton right so for all the listeners um, that's kind of a roundup of the mayoral candidates so we hope that provides you with a bit of insight and again we cannot stress it enough to please just have a look at the manifestos that are out on their websites just have a little skimmery before you go to bed the elections are up very very soon so it is worth your time before you vote to understand what those candidates are pledging um, that they want to do for the region and vote on the 6th of May so before we go we can talk about the police crime and commissioner um, and those elections Gita did some research into this as well what is a police crime and commissioner just to start off yeah so a police crime and commissioner I'm going to read what it says aims to cut crime and deliver an effective and efficient police service within their force area PCCs have been elected by the public to hold chief constables and the force to account effectively making the police answerable to communities they serve they are responsible for the totality of policing so that's what the role of a PCC is I think it was really interesting because I didn't find as much about um, kind of stop and searches which I thought was a big concern for us as a racial justice platform I was like what are you doing for this however I thought I would start with the the kind of candidate that did talk a lot about this and is somewhat in this going to be seen as an underdog um so Desmond Jadu from the We Matter party and he's mentioned quite a few actually if you google his name you'll find that he's a chairman of quite a few or on the board of quite a few different organizations and one of them is the national national organization which is Windrush Movement UK and he's had a history of numerous uh, Windrush organizations and cri- criminalizing police and holding them accountable which I thought was really interesting so when I spoke to him he mentioned about Jack Chambers Darren Cumberbatch um, cases and he mentioned numerous like I couldn't write them all down but he mentioned quite a few he said he wants to hold police to count via race charter um, I wasn't quite sure on the details of what that is but I think it was he mentioned about how um, he would like to see what the analysis of stop and searches for example so if a policeman has stopped 100 people in the last month but they're all black let's stop and have a look at that why is that the case and so it would be uh, about that and he also mentioned about um, increasing uh, black and minoritized ethnicity police officers introducing and I thought this was interesting he said introducing a volunteer position a try before you buy is the way he described it so it would be like um, once a week or so you would volunteer and you would just test out whether you like this role and, and go in and whatever and so hopefully they'd be able to get that I think my concern for that would be that um, black and brown communities tend to be hit more by poverty and so less likely to be able to 
afford to do voluntary positions even for that one day because often black and brown youth are often the breadwinner or funding towards in some way towards the household because parent income isn't enough so that would be my thing but yeah what do you think about him he kind of shifts the conversation of what um, you traditionally think of as police into making sure the um, communities are the police so what we look at as police and communities now is very separate to one another and with his uh, mindset and approach it's more like actually no you work for the communities rather than making them separate making them one a unit that you are part of that community so whatever happens within this within our forces needs to reflect that it needs to reflect the population the demographic of the population um, the needs of the population if you're prosecuting too many black asian youth why are you doing that what is that a reflection of us so i I like that about his um you can tell he's got a very strong um portfolio among his communities i think i think he's a bishop isn't he he is he is okay right so he is a bishop so you know he has some he has clearly he has influence on on uh, on the community so it's very refreshing to see such a difference in approach and mindset towards communities and policing whether it's enough for voters to think yeah i like that it's very hard to say because we're very, very focused on, mm, I just want a conservative or Labour person. And also he doesn't have a policing background. None of them actually do except for one. So do I realistically want someone in such a position with no policing background? So it's more of the realistic mindset of, well, that sounds great. What can you afford from a practical sense? Because you have a whole police force under you. Yeah, and I think with a country that from my experience majority of don't believe that we're a racist country and you have a candidate that's saying i'm tackling racism tackling something you don't believe exists yeah <laughs> how are you going to get elected that's a reality of it that's the way i saw it like as much as the stuff that he's put in his manifesto seems and sounds great is that really going to get you elected so i'd, I'd I don't know. He, he said it with his chest. That's all I can say. Like He said what he wants to do and he, he put it out there. And I'm glad you said that, actually, because it's a reflection of the mayors themselves and how they've approached racial inequality, because yeah. it, it was very absent from those manifestos. It was as if it was like that re- a government report that it does not exist. And yeah. it's mind boggling because if you bring black, Asian, any ethnic minority and say, what have you experienced? guaranteed at least one of them uh, no all of them is going to have at least one experience to say so when you've got mayors saying well not even saying just completely goes over their heads and then a police and crime commissioner who's saying i want to tackle it well what are you tackling because apparently it's not even it's not even a thing that we need to tackle yeah and the other thing is as well we look at racial biases this man is black like let's be real he's going to have racial biases working against him as well um i was actually surprised to see that under the pcc there were two minoritized ethnicities so you had him and you had an asian a south asian guy as well under the conservative party whereas in the mayor elections you don't have None. anyone yeah. of color. like literally I, I text a relative and was like don't forget to vote we've got him next week and then they just went 
no colored person i mean i don't use that term that's what they said they were like there's no colored person i was like check the second list you'll see them there's people there the second list there was there was one for the there was an independent one but he he pulled out and uh, endorsed yeah. andy street instead so we did have one but that's gone now but i mean just as a as a quick point it must be said that it's great to see that there is a black man who has put himself forward for that position and could possibly yeah. win it um no no small no small feat is too small you know 100 yeah and i think regardless absolutely regardless of what parties they are or anything like that for me if you're the person being oppressed to be the, the person who's holding the oppress the, the oppression to account is really important it's yeah. really really important so if we don't have black people at the top who are saying we need to hold this person this kind of group accountable um it's an issue but yeah i'll go to the next one so if we look at the another kind of candidate that that could be a potential underdog it's julie hambleton is from no party so uh she wants to support victims of crime to navigate the complex processes of law and they're dealing with the police service aims to collaborate with practitioners across sectors to tackle the growing problem of knife crime knife and gun crime in the west midlands wants to use the pcc to build confidence and credibility between the police force victims and communities and i think what's also interesting is we're again talking about the trust and the credibility and i think yeah i think it's really really interesting um also again in terms of diversity the only woman in this in this category i believe in the other in the mayor candidate jenny wilkinson was the only woman so again we're seeing that generally speaking these roles are white and male but yeah so what do you think about her approach to the manifesto so yeah in regards to what you know julie has outlined i quite like the idea of of course trying to navigate the complex processes of law i think i mean from an in society perspective that's what we're trying to do as individuals and what we built our platform on so yeah that piques my interest in bringing that understanding in regards to the legal system and then of course the other thing that i liked is kind of just to build the confidence and credibility between police forces victims communities because community cohesion i think is something that the west midlands could really do with a little bit more of just community spirit you know especially as we've had a bit of um experience with crime so i think it is it's um and of course we already talked about the lack of like youth centers i'm talking specifically around youth in that respect it'd be nice to see something to bring the police force victims communities together whether it's to discuss what's going on or to i don't know repair some you know just prepare some sort of community vibe in the region it would be really nice so i'm excited to see how how she out- outlines trying to go about that what's your thoughts uh, nora on that i think i mean her biggest motivations which really inspired her to go to uh, nominate herself for the role is losing her sister unfortunately to the Birmingham pub bombing. Yeah. She's been campaigning, hasn't she? Yeah, she's been campaigning for years ever since yeah. that happened. And due to that fact, due to the way that that specific case was actually dealt with and the, the amount of injustice and just it was not a good example of carrying a case through to a good outcome. and i think it's really influenced her and how she would like to see the pcc run also to make sure that the lives lost weren't for nothing so um her her motivations in that regard and her 
journalism background as, a, as an avid advocator and campaigner for such for such crimes really kind of gives an idea of the kind of PCC she would be and I wouldn't be too disappointed to see her take up that role and make sure that the the establishment that she's in is transparent and that they can make sure that she is actually adequately serving the public to the best that she can without thinking of the money that goes into it and and you know everything you you would traditionally think of when going to a job she really it seems like the person who's there for all the victims rather than the title that comes with it um and she's also mentioned how she would like to see that diversity within the police force she said that she has made it clear that less than 10% of the force comes from the abain background from the abain community from black asian and minority ethnic communities and that the number of male ethnic uh, male ethnic the number of male inspectors is more than 50% higher even though the population of the west midlands is slightly has more women so she has talked about um making sure that diversity does come through from what i have seen she seems like a very down to earth woman i mean you see her and you think of you you know someone very close to you um a grandma or, or like an aunt um so she has that energy about her that is very sincere but also tough in that i want to see this this and that and so far i haven't actually seen anything negative towards her or ne- negative from her i don't know if you guys have but i haven't seen that that would inform me in thinking this wouldn't be such a great option um bottom line is she's transparent and she's respectful and she's got that strength about her that can really carry her through so it was it's interesting to see it's a very it's a very nice mix of candidates i would say that i think it's interesting that two two people from a, a party that most people won't know about and an independent person both of them have come from like a campaigning background and i think that's really really interesting because generally speaking you don't get politicians um or people in this field that have previously campaigned um and and for me personally i'd like to see more of that i'd like to see people that are like me like you like d that are all out there really campaigning for this stuff so that when they come into this role i have more confidence in them because i feel like you've campaigned for it why are you going to do this for so many years then come into the role and then screw it all over you you you're not going to you have some sort of lived in experience yeah. in regards to what you're trying to change isn't yeah. it so yeah. yeah and and as independents they don't have that fountain of money of, uh, available to them to to make the campaign yeah i mean a campaign can still be great but who wouldn't want more money to raise it that much more but um she has mentioned it she said and i was interested to see it cost 5000 pounds to enter the race to enter the pcc yeah. race so that raises an issue about accessibility and in london it's 10k oh so, yes yeah. oh yeah. wow even yeah. more i mean does anyone here have any uh have 10k chilling in case you wanted to run laying around anybody? yeah no absolutely <laughs> just laying around just to to hand out the other point is that you do get that money back or at least in london's case you yeah. get the money get back yeah, if you get 5% of the votes yeah. the reality is that independent and we matter party are much less likely to get that to obtain that and also they've not got the funding um so we'll go on to John Hunt. So for John Hunt, I thought what was really interesting again, they kind of spoke a bit about spending and they're currently in a job that they said if they 
become PCC, they're going to fire themselves and reduce, then get rid of that job basically. So what he wants to do and then put it into the PCC role. So, <laughs> so he wants to increase the PCC role responsibilities and, and increase front line policing and use utilize unnecessary spending in order to do so. I also would be interested to see if he's going to accept a fi- being fired from a PCC if he doesn't get the role because what you can do then but yeah so what's your thoughts kind of on that that side of things um i haven't got a concrete thought on that so far because that is um completely um i mean it doesn't really tell me enough about what you're going to be doing in that role i guess besides firing yourself but he talks about increasing pcc responsibilities and frontline police basically again going into that kind of into decrease client crime we're increasing police I understand that, but you know, the PCC role is about holding the police to account, right? So I want to know more about what you're going to be doing and what areas you'll be focusing and that sort of thing in regards to um, why a potential person should uh, vote for you. So that's what I mean. Like it kind of leaves a lot of areas blank in which, um, you know, people when you're trying to vote we'll probably be looking into because this this is an incredible role to hold the police to account given um well we've seen a lot of um conversations national conversations national uh protests really in regards to police and power so yes things to do with the police and how we're holding them to account and just like the communication pathways these are things not to play with and i'm not saying that that's anything that john hunt has played with but yeah would have enjoyed a bit more information there yeah it was quite a small manifesto but i mean his overall focus is an increased police force somehow that it got to that from abolishing his role to more police what his his overall motivation is that make the pcc part of the mayoral role does he provide anything as a candidate personally i think not i don't really think he provides anything i have i mean there's no manifesto and if he's made if he's done his research he'd know that there is a consultation to to transfer the powers and responsibilities of the pcc to the mayor of the west midlands which is actually i think it is in its second stage which which it's it's focusing on the proposed detail of how the leadership and the direction and the governance of policing would operate within the uh, west midlands uh, authority so it is being considered which means that everything else he's talking about is kind of like well no substance there but i think there's i think elected officials and i'm not talking about him specifically but elected officials love putting things in their manifesto that they know is in the works so that when they get elected they can be like told you i did it it's happened (laughs) (laughs) and then when it comes to re-election i'm telling you they love doing this and it annoys me so much it really does and you don't know this until you look at it yourself but it's so frustrating and it's so annoying because you have something so serious going on and you have candidates like julie like um desmond like both of them who have put so much of their life's work outside of this election into some really important issues and are coming into the PCC saying, well, we want to reflect what we have, all our skills with campaigning, all our ideas into this role. And then you've got someone like him who's like, well, I know this is happening, but like, let's do it. It's, it's frustrating and it's irritating and it's, it's taken the mickey out of it and it's 
I don't support it. Like, I don't see the point of his nomination. I'll be honest, I couldn't find much. Literally, I had, for everyone else, I had like four or five lines. For him, it was like, reduce spending, yeah. get rid of my role, increase frontline policing. Yeah. That was literally all I could find. I literally, the thing, the most I found out about him was Birmingham Mail did an article on him. That was like one page of his manifesto. Um, that's why I said he had a short manifesto, but I realized it was actually Birmingham Mail. It wasn't even his manifesto. It says, read the manifesto on one of the pages. It's like johnhuntpcc.online. I don't think that's his page and under read the manifesto there's nothing there so sorry just as a side note he does have a website but it, it seems like it's not his just because it's not secure and it doesn't have all those things that professional websites do he does have one but it's one page of things and that's it for all those who are listening if you do want to vote uh, for john hunt uh, from lib dem perhaps maybe do a bit more research anyway for all candidates but yes also for john hunt in regards to more about what he does so we'll go on to another person so conservatives i always love reading manifestos of people who are opposing who are opposite to the ones that are in leadership. So it's always interesting seeing a Labour leadership and a Conservative manifesto and vice versa. So this one was interesting because it definitely digs in at Labour. So so they mentioned they'll increase and deploy more police again, raise diversity within the force, which I thought was interesting, um, stop um, Labour's police station closure, prioritise resources to target crime with a robust and innovative approach, bring strong leadership on effective ways to tackle youth crime and reoffending, enhance support for victims um, and something and, and supporting um, grassroots organizations and community groups um, fund frontline policing by stopping money being wasted on politics and bureaucracy. He put it right in at the end um, as the last bullet point. Um, but I also think what's interesting is so again another uh, candidate of minoritized ethnicity background, also of a different religious background um so he's also Sikh from my understanding um but I also think it's interesting that he spoke about obviously the diversity within the force so yeah what do you what do you think I think yeah there's just a lot of things there um I think I was looking more at the grassroots organization and community groups and of course this idea of funding frontline policing I'm just thinking about the West Midlands and also we've had conversations and done a little bit research into what is policing and what the nature of the role is and the crimes today and what the crimes are in the West Midlands and you know a lot of crimes um, now that we have the digital era are actually quite you know cyber it's some you know crimes that are um, committed in the households not necessarily always on the streets and I have not really seen enough um, mention not just by Jay but by other candidates we spoke of yet in regards to policing in other ways you know within the households and cyber and all these other things that crime is going down you know so yeah do we think that policing always needs to be on the streets in order to tackle crime or because i feel like crime is way more sophisticated than the just the idea of okay it's happened on the street today my it's very hard to like quell my frustration when it comes to policing because the the common denominator is let's increase the force to make sure crime goes down okay great but like what is making crime go up and is even increasing the force being done correctly in the training and in the um 
because you know how they have all these DNI discrimination and inclusion um, plans. Realistically, are you implementing that correctly so yeah. that the it's not it's this it's not discrimination. Sorry, it's diversity and inclusion. Diversity. Sorry. Oh my gosh. It's <laughs> it's the end of the day, guys. It's the end of the day. Discrimination and inclusion is an oxymoron. <laughs> It's the end of the day. Honestly, I'm like discrimination here, discrimination that. I had I had the overarching theme. I just didn't have the right accent. Yeah. Diversity. Yeah. You got the letters. Is making sure that if you do have diversity and inclusion plans, that they are implemented correctly and that there's the right kind of agendas and motivations behind them. Because you see so much like if you want to get to a position where a black a little black boy or girl or little asian boy or girl is walking home from school and if they see a police car their first thought isn't it let me bring my phone out to record or let me make sure i text someone this or call someone this or let me get my story straight or let me get my hands out in front of me correctly not be suspicious not not look like i'm doing something so that i don't get killed or injured that's when you know policing has gotten to a point that's actually acceptable. But to keep saying, let us increase the amount of police force and who's on our streets, it just becomes insulting because because the product of what's on the streets is usually due to the governance that already exists. So if you're not going to tackle that, and if you're not going to tackle within your establishment what's going wrong, then you can't just keep saying that it's what's on the streets that's causing the issue. I mean, you have like Priti Patel, like the deportation of foreign criminals and making yeah. sure that murderers and rapists aren't staying in our country. What, like, what, like, what does that kind of bring to the argument? What does that say about, about us as a country, but about her as someone who is supposed to be our home secretary? Um, but, but I'm pretty sure she, I mean, speaking of Patel, I'm pretty sure she has backed uh, Jay Singh Sahal um, as, as a PCC. Um, I'm not too sure on the entire details and the kind of the relationship between them. But if, but as far as it goes, if she's backing him, then I have some doubts as to what he can really do once he's in there, despite his pledges. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because this doesn't surprise me coming from a conservative candidate mm. because it's just you're reading from the same script that everyone else is yeah. saying. We want to increase police. Okay, cool. That makes sense. I also want to add though, because obviously Labour usually go opposite to conservative. It's so conservatives who want to do something, Labour say they don't want to do it. But Labour are reading from the same book as well in terms of increasing policing. And the reason they're saying it is because actually policing have been decreased. Yeah. So we want to bring him up. And I think from um, previously talking to the police crime commissioner, he mentioned that actually the policing has been decreased, which means that discrimination ends up being increased because you get police they get put in scenarios where they get more nervous and I'm not saying this is a, a right excuse but they get more nervous because they're under policed so then they just act on their own intuition He's, he mentioned about how that adds to kind of everything but what are your thoughts on that? If you're decreasing police forces and then you're worried about their reactions then you're the one in the wrong why aren't you putting specific training courses in place to accommodate accommodate that lack of policing but you, you it, there's so much back and forth as to who's in the wrong and well let's make excuses for him and let's make excuses for her but in reality if you can't do your job as someone who's made those decisions and can't 
can't support them with specific packages or specific training, then that says a lot about you and how well you can do your role. But at the same time, you have to look at the police that you're that you are employing and their instincts being shoot or whether it's a stun gun or it's a gun. If that's your first instinct, then maybe we should also look at um, your recruitment. How are you making sure that the recruitment is representative of the communities we live in and better, more human responses? So it's really this whole back and forth, it, it bores me because it is solvable. It's not an issue of, oh, um, we, we don't have this or we have too much of that. It's not, that's not, I, I think that's very weak. And I think the other thing I also want to highlight is uh, he mentioned, and I completely agree with you, he mentioned about the diversity within the force. And I think one thing I want to highlight is that just because someone is a person of ethnic minority background doesn't mean they're going to yeah. work for people of ethnic minority backgrounds. And we've seen that yeah. with Pretty Patel. <laughs> like Pretty Patel does not, she, she has enforced laws that wouldn't allow her family to get to this country had they applied. That was something that Priti Patel has outwardly uh, said herself. And Savage Javis before her as well has said the same. And as an Asian, as an Asian, it doesn't mean you're going to be there for the black community. As a black person, doesn't mean you're going to be there for the Absolutely. Asian community. But that's not to say that not having them there is, is going to be great. It's just to say that if you are going to have people from those communities there, make sure you fine tune that recruitment process so that you are just employing more human, more sensitive, more empathetic, more um, able to work under pressure people. And, you know, it says a lot about the... Con- it's not. It doesn't say a lot about this candidate, but it says a lot to me that his party looks at, for example, says that policing in the UK is different to policing in the US. If that's your mentality, then you. it's very difficult for you to see how we're doing things wrong if you're not willing to acknowledge how similar to an extent we are to the US. If not by practice, then by mindset. If not by mindset, then practice. 100%. It definitely just raises that point of representation in terms of face value doesn't necessarily mean it translates to representation in regards to a particular ethnic group's um, viewpoint or struggles or ways to overcome. You know, it's definitely more about looking at the values in which each, every candidate um, holds and therefore doing your research, I mean, if you don't do your research then you know you're slightly to blame if you vote and um your your views are not clearly represented if that person you voted for is elected yeah so let's head on to the final candidate we'll be talking about today so currently we are with a label labor candidate um as pcc um but he is not running for re-election so we have simon foster so he's aiming to combat violence against women and girls he also talks about fairer funding in terms of um again policing budgets um so he talks about not only increasing policing though but making it more community policing as opposed to just being outwardly like pointing the finger and all of that um, protecting victims of crime um, and also mental health and policing and um, he mentions about neighbourhood crime and 
there's just a massive there's a massive list that he mentions but yeah preventing young children young people becoming victims or offenders so yeah there's a number of things that we've mentioned there what's your thoughts on that with Simon Foster I have to say I actually haven't seen much of him on the news I haven't seen much of him in the in the debate I have I don't know if you two were familiar with what's um what's happened in the last two weeks where I think um this isn't directly related to Simon Foster but David Jameson who accused Jason Sahal of being right wing whether that be in his views or in his approach but just saying he's from the far right accusing him of being from the far right it's not a reflection of Simon Foster I know but it kind of s- tells you what you may want to know about the labor's view of their opponents and that to me that saying you're from the far right given what I have learned about Jason who this doesn't seem very far right seemed overly bold and overly offensive mm-hmm. I forgot the word opposite to defensive <laughs> very offensive um genuinely I feel like I don't I'm not informed enough on Simon Foster and I'm not sure if that's because he hasn't been as very active as the others or because it's just due to my own um oversight yeah, I just wanted to add actually a few things just under his branch of tackling violence and crime, which I think is really interesting that I haven't seen in other candidates. So he talks about, yeah, violence against women and girls. We know that with the police crime and sentencing bill. So there's been stuff around combating violence against women and girls. And Priti Patel has mentioned that quite a bit, but it's within a bill that's anti-protest. So um, Labour have also confirmed that they're for uh, increasing those crimes and said that the bill's actually not doing enough for that. They've also highlighted, which I thought was interesting, honour-based violence, forced marriage and female genital mutilation, which we know is disproportionately affecting minoritized ethnicities, reducing violent crime and including knife crime, um, <coughs> tackling drug dealing, supply and use, and then hate crime. So I thought those were really important because they yeah. were all disproportionately affecting minoritized ethnicities. Um, so I just wanted to come back to you, Noor, sorry, and just ask you, just highlighting those points, what do you think of them? If there was anything that he clearly made himself uh, stand out in is his pledges to make sure that he is there specifically for women and girls as a top priority, whether that be in domestic violence, um, whether that be FGM as well. He's, he's mentioned that he wants to make sure that that is his top priority, but he's also mentioned that he wants to invest heavily in youth services and supporting th- uh, schools to prevent knife crime. Those to me, as anything you want to have as your top priorities I would say those are great priorities and kind of in address issues of um, diversity and racial uh, inequality and discrimination but at the same time the way he's he's mentioned doing that is yes through schools with regards to the knife crime but he's mentioned that he wants to get a 450 extra community police officers on the streets so if if that is too help deter domestic violence I'm not sure but it, it is it has been something that I wasn't too sure of on, on how he would tackle it if that makes sense mm. yeah Dee what's your thoughts um pretty much the 
you know, it is、um, hopeful to see、um, it being recognized a different area of policing. I mean, that's kind of what I was trying to address earlier is just, you know, policing in itself, it's not just the, I guess, the idea of seeing. A police on the street, you know, there's a lot of different types of crimes, and as、um, outlined in Simon Foster's,、um, I guess, pledge. Just looking at some of the other crimes highlighted shows that there is some kind of direction or some view or some sort of understanding of what's going on in marginal and marginalized and、um, Ethnic communities, and that's what I was looking for is that understanding. However, that's a pledge that's you know, that doesn't mean necessarily that、um, Simon Foster knows, you know, knows the down low, but you know, just the recognition in the pledge is a step in the right direction. And I would love to see everyone out of all these candidates. Ensure that they look at what's going on in marginal,、uh, marginalized ethnic communities. Seeing as we are、um, quite populated in this region, so that's, that's kind of why I'm like, well,、yeah. where was that? Where was that information? Why yeah, yeah, is there、absolutely. no attention to this? Absolutely. But we also know that they're more disenfranchised and less likely to vote. So unfortunately, it makes sense why people wouldn't highlight it. So I just wanted to, now we've gone over the candidates, I wanted to briefly go over. The voting system. So, we in general elections use first past the post. In this election, we'll be using the supplementary vote system. Bearing in mind there's like nine, but this is the one that we use for this election. Noor, can you explain what is the supplementary vote system and how does it differ from the first past the post in the general election? So, in the simplest way possible, <laughs>、um, the supplementary vote basically. Put down your choice, but you also get a second preference. Meaning that if a candidate doesn't get 50% of the votes from first choices, then they will look at the second preferences and add them to the vote. And whoever wins outright 50%, they get that, they get that role. Different to first past the post, where it's just basically the majority. And it's not very、um, representative of the general population as a whole. But again, I mean, they're very complicated systems. I mean, I learned them back in,、uh, back in sixth form. And even then, it was a headache to get my head around because there's so many. And for us, I think the only applicable ones、um, are the general election, which is the first past the post, and then the supplementary vote, which is for these mayoral elections. But first past the post is basically who receives the most votes wins. And supplementary vote is 50% of the vote you win. Yeah, so just to go into more detail about that. So, what they do is they'll do rounds of votes. So, they do first round of votes and they'll see, let's say, if we have,、um, I'm not going to use parties, I'm just going to use us three. So, Nord, D, and Geetha go for election. Nord gets 30%, D gets 20%, I get,、um, how much is left? <laughs> I get 30%, is that right? Sorry. <laughs> Wait, no. You've added 50,、um, 50 so far. No, that's, not, that's wrong. He gets, yeah, sorry. So <laughs> D gets 25, Nord gets 30, and I get 45. That's the calculation. Sorry, I, I was really good at maths at school. <laughs> Don't judge me.、Um, <laughs> so I get 45, D gets 35, Nord gets,、um, D gets 25, Nord gets 30. So then, what we do, and there's other, sorry, D gets 20, there's other candidates that make up like 5% or whatever. 
the extra five. So from that five, <laughs> I think maybe we have confused back the audience. <laughs> Okay, we're gonna keep it in there though, because this is funny. Okay, we're gonna try again. Maybe, we'll try one maybe more time. Okay. Just say, for example, if it's just between okay. you and Daniil, and okay. um, the race is between you two, and actually, no, it would make more sense if it's us three because of the people. Okay, say, say it's us three, and all of us come out with less than 50% of the vote. Let's not talk about breakdowns. All of us have less than 50% of the vote based on all the first choice votes that have been put mm. through. Seeing yeah. as none of us have won, all the second preferences are now about to be counted in the hopes that one of us is going to get that 50% to win us the election. And also the lowest person, after the first round, the lowest person gets taken out, don't they? Yeah, so, so it, you get ta- you keep so, getting yeah. taken out. Otherwise, we'd, yeah. keep, we'd, we'd be there forever if everyone stayed in the race. So yeah. it would be if, if D, for example, got the least amount of votes in the first She's round. She's out, yeah. She, she would be out <laughs> and her second, pre- whoever. So if I if I voted for D and then voted for Nor second and then someone else voted for D and then voted for Geeta second, then they would either way have those votes. And that's why it's really, really important this election because you no longer people that always view it as Labour versus Conservative and no one really else because if you don't vote for those parties the reality is you're less likely to for your party to win whereas this one like you said previously you can actually just if you wish to put them in second place if they're not the candidates that you really want and you can actually put other people because you've got a safety net and that's really what this system is it's a safety net yeah but just to just to off that just to make it clear that it's it's only two preferences rather than say five based on how many there are is because literally if no one under the two leading candidates gets a majority then all of them are out except for those two leading candidates and you count the second preferences that are for them so it is it is literally two people it is it's basically who gets the most votes out of those two people if no one else does yeah absolutely so um yeah so it's more representative system so yeah so that's it really that's everything from the voting system and just wanted to say thank you so much nor for coming on and talking to us it's been a very long one um but thank you for sticking through it um i will remember discrimination and inclusion (laughs) no i won't leave that down i have been saying i work this is the thing i work in diversity and inclusion i advise some businesses on it so why is it just blown out of my head i don't I don't know. It's brilliant. It's it's brilliant. Um, I can't. So I remember that. Um, <laughs> so thank you so much, and thank you to talk about as well. So um, Nor is from Talk About, um, and please check them out if you haven't already. So it's at Talk About UK, at Talk About UK on Instagram. Is it on all platforms? So it's, it's at Talk About UK basically on everything. So I'm head of content for them, and I'm also founder of Voices of Conflict, which is I've started recently in the past two months. Um, which focuses on bringing through the voices of conflict around the world. Thank you. So have you got any last words as to why people should go out and vote in this election? Yeah, because you can say that you voted. And I think for anyone, it is better to say that you went out and you made your voice heard rather than sat down and 
thought this is my prediction so I don't count everything counts you could be that one vote that changes everything so definitely go out and vote especially if you're a young person because we are what matters most um, to these politicians you are making up most of their pledges you are making up most of what they have to work towards so go out and vote and make sure that your voice is heard brilliant thank you so much thank you so much for having me so thank you for your time make sure you tune in uh, we're at in society underscore uk on all social media platforms but especially on instagram so go check us out we've been in society and please come and check in our podcast next week where we'll be talking about more conversations in society 